0: All right. Hello, Freedom Chasers, and welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Today, we have a truly inspiring guest who embodies the spirit of chasing freedom through innovation and entrepreneurship. You might know him from the Airbnb community, but his impact goes far and beyond just that platform. Introducing Daniel Rustine. A former Airbnb employee, a super host, and the brilliant mind behind Optimize Your BNB, a game-changing book that made waves in the Airbnb hosting community, selling a whopping 50,000 copies purely through word of mouth. And if that isn't impressive enough, Danny's just released a new enlightening book titled Profitable Properties. But Danny, Daniel... <sighs> Danny, sorry, <laughs> isn't just about writing books. He's lived the Airbnb experience, spending over 2,000 nights in Airbnbs around the globe. He's not just a traveler. He's on a quest exploring international real estate investment opportunities. Right now, he's dialing in from Cambodia. Daniel, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I write Daniel and Danny, and I throw in Dan every now and then, basically just to mess up people.
0: Oh. Well, you accomplished that. I was like, did I take bad notes? What the hell was going on there? Um, (laughs) Which one do you prefer, man? Uh, I guess Danny. All right, Danny. You know, some people get offended very easily. I was like, oh, shit, his name is Daniel. (laughs) All right, Danny. Um, Well, let's get into it, man. Obviously, you were working at Airbnb, so that makes a lot of sense as to why you started to use that model. Let's just dive into that a little bit what happened why were you working there why did you start buying let's just go into that I I am an
1: accountant uh, I studied to be the for the CPA exam took those four tests passed them started my career off that was it happy looking back on it actually hated it tremendously unsatisfied but in the time I didn't know so I so I hopped around a few companies okay I didn't like accounting maybe I like this company. Okay, I don't like this company. Maybe I like this team. Is it is it the team that's better? So I arrived at Airbnb. Team, great. Company, fantastic. Uh, but still accounting. And so I did that for a few years, as long as I could kind of, you know, do the best I could, not make mistakes, but not also excel. It was very, it was very um it was a very committed team, you know, like 6 a.m., 9 p.m. type committed team. And I, uh, accounting isn't just my thing. It's, I have many things, uh, many things that we talked about pre-show, uh, and I would sometimes be strolling a little, a little bit late, you know, eight or or 9 a.m. after the gym, let's say. And the, the day, the day that I realized like, oh, wow, I'm not putting in as much work as anyone else is when I took a weekend off, which wasn't often. And I got in at 7 a.m. And I saw half the team was already there. And I thought, do you guys always show up at this time? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, my mouth like dropped on the inside. Because there was days when I was showing up at like, like even like nine sometimes, two hours after everyone else. And so um, anyways, I tried to change departments because I thought I would be a better fit in more of like a salesy type role. Uh, That didn't happen. I ended up leaving Airbnb with $15,000 in credit. In Airbnb credit due to a promotion, a sales type promotion. Then I worked for an Airbnb property management company. And then I started my own thing in 2016. And it's grown since then, encompassed everything Airbnb short-term related, including very specific strategies on the Airbnb platform, all the way to investing in real estate
0: in a foreign country. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. So you were at Airbnb fairly early on then. Um, You were one of, I would assume, one of the earlier employees. Is that correct? Yep.
1: I was. I don't know if if this sounds impressive or not. Um, It felt earlier than this, but I was employee number
0: 700. Okay. Well, I don't know how many they have now, but I imagine they have a ton. Um, So cool. I mean, what was it like working at a, a business like that that is kind of blazing a trail?
1: It was, it was unique in various different ways from the open layout of the office, from the CEO, Brian Chesky, working in accounting for a period of time. It was even unique in that, you know, I wish I, I, wish I took advantage of certain things. There was some people there, employees, who were super high level. They had started companies on their own, sold them for multi-million dollars, and I interacted with them but I didn't really connect because they were rather ordinary to me at that time. There was, there was a lot of these people, but I didn't really connect the dots where I was like, wow, I could like, it could be a resource, a mentor something that was unique all the way to, you know, uh, free yoga, bike tune-ups, breakfast, lunch, dinner, free alcohol, all, all these things. It was like the typical Silicon Valley movie, uh, show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That was the Airbnb office, open atmosphere, uh, razor scooters, Beanie bags. Dogs.
0: Okay, so so basically you were showing up to work at 9 and everybody was starting at 7. Um, I'm assuming everybody was on salary. So, <laughs> so give me a little bit more context. So people just came in early and they worked a little bit harder. Is that what the culture was like? Obviously it didn't seem like they were shoving it in your face all the time, which is what I would anticipate. Um, I'd love a little yeah. bit more context.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it comes from the top in this case. And – um gosh, I could go on a few different tangents here, but the uh the head honcho in accounting uh I won't say his name. I like him. Great guy. Fantastic guy. Uh super smart, super dedicated. He showed up at 6:30 in the morning. And whether that was uh because he really was passionate about accounting, whether that was because of some other reason, uh I don't know. But Uh, He was there at that time. And I think because of that, people also wanted to come at that time. And I didn't even notice that. I didn't even know he got in at 645 in the morning, 630 in the morning. Um, So that's that's really where it came from. The, The other departments, it wasn't we weren't in the startup mode where you would where you would normally do that. Accounting county was the first people in. You would stay. Most people would stay till like seven PM. I think dinner was served at six or seven, uh, which was a nice dinner. They had Airbnb and, and the tech bubble there. They were the only company, as I recall, that actually had their um, kitchen on staff on salary, whereas the other companies, Google, Twitter, they would be they would hire out a a different um, kitchen service, and so it would be a little bit impersonal. Uh, not that honestly, I think it mattered at all, but it was very good. I think it, it improved the quality of the food because they really went above and beyond a lot of times to make good food. And so this is kind of, this was kind of it, man. It was pretty, um, the first month I was there, I do still recall that there was a lot of offsites. I was like, there was an offset every other day, like team building or this or that. And I was like, oh, this is like kind of, this is cool. Definitely. But then that, that wore off and we, um, when i started it was a class of 11 i think and every monday there was a new class shortly after maybe a few months afterwards um uh the classes became like over 100 the the number of employees now there's like i don't know how many there are i think it was like 6 or 7000 that that's of course after there was more in covid and then they cut 25% of staff which was a great idea because they were starting um uh they were starting a um a cinema Ooh. Uh, like they were trying to make movies. They were st- like, I forget the name, drawing a blank right now. But they were writing a magazine. They were talking about starting up an airlines, like all the frivolous stuff. Which is like, yo, know, guys, um, it's 2023, and uh, mm-hmm. you still don't have a balcony filter on your search. So let's get back to the basics. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm maybe the most traveled Airbnb guest in the world over nearing 2500 nights. I live in Airbnb's. So I'm intimately familiar both with Airbnb as as a host and a guest. And as a guest, it can be tremendously there's so much low-hanging fruit that they can improve that um on the host side as well. But they don't do a lot of it search that is
0: frustrating. So yeah. I was about to say I'm I'm not a branding expert, but if I were, I would tell Airbnb to focus on renting out rooms not on cinemas and stuff like that. Um, It's amazing how much more money you can get if you just focus on what you're already good at instead of getting stuck into shiny object syndrome all the time. Um, All right, cool. So let's get away from that a little bit and let's talk a little bit more about you and your journey. So you mentioned that you started working for a property management company or something along those lines. Um, Is that because you worked at Airbnb or how did that relationship develop?
1: That's interesting that you touched on that because that at this time, I kind, of, I kind of glossed over that story. But at the time, that was a pivotal, pivotal key in my life. Scary, terrifying. I'm, I'm a CPA. I'm, I'm doing good by society. I have benefits. I have a great job. I work at a great name brand company. Now, I've decided I have this decision in front of me. Do I continue as a CPA, as an accountant? I, I know at this point, I don't like it. Or do I continue as something else? And I had through this promotion at Airbnb, I made a connection. And the promotion was hey, we want more employee hosts. I was a host already. We're going to give you uh, 500 bucks Airbnb credit, and we're going to give anyone you refer 500 bucks. So I heard this and I was like, whoa, that's big money. So I, I kind of focused on that. <laughs> And by the end of it, I, I left the company with 36 referrals, $15,000 in credit. I think because only 30 of them counted or, or whatnot. And so I connected with this local Airbnb property management company through that. And they wanted a they, they were, she was looking for an employee. I took that opportunity, a pay cut and all this cut, but I worked from home. I was able to build this company. I built it from, I think like something like 30 to 70 listings in one year. I hired out a team. I made a new website. I got connections with laundromats. I improved basically everything. And I really felt like finally, after five years of in the workforce, like oh, I, this is, this is fun. Like working is fun. I'm actually doing something. No one has to tell me what to do. And I'm just, I'm just like hesitant to do it and because I just don't like it and whatnot. I really felt satisfied in that year and it gave me a lot of confidence to go out and do my own thing, which was first a property management company. And because of that, there was a, there, uh, I shared it with the owner and then once I actually went live with it, I guess she didn't know I was being serious. Um, I wanted to cooperate with her, but she fired me. She fired me as well. So two years, two firings. I was like, oh, well. At that point though, I was like, oh, well, I'm doing this anyways. I started off with that. I quickly pivoted into something else, but I, I it's called um, bailo property, Airbnb property management. I focus on Airbnb and I just have five listings at this point. It's just, it's not the main business. It's, it's what I use to help my main business. I test out strategies, optimization strategies, because on Airbnb, it really is. It's like Instagram. If you're single, it's like Tinder, the best photos win and hosts still don't really know that in 2023. And so I have some hacks and this and that, that I develop over the years to just absolutely maximize and blow it out of the water you versus your competition or the fpg which is a term i'm sure i'll use future potential guests they know the key on airbnb is make the fpg's decision easy i was just uh <laughs> i uploaded a video yesterday it was, it was me being a little bit emotional but I, I'm on. I'm looking at Medagine for Airbnbs. Medagine super competitive market. A lot of really nice Airbnbs. In fact, I have about fifty tabs open of Airbnbs. <laughs> this is not normal. I believe it. But but because of what I do, I focus a little bit more on that. And I'm trying to differentiate. I'm trying to give read what you're presenting me. Hosts your photos, your text, your 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 title, and make the best decision. And Oftentimes last night, the reason why it got me, it got me all emotional it was like there was this this listing looked nice and then there was a photo and it was of a nice looking room. It looked like a room I could work in, but it was just a random photo. And I was like, okay, I'm going to click on this. And please tell me there is a caption. Please tell me there's a caption because it's a random photo. It could be the lobby. It could be a neighborhood photo from a nearby cafe. I have no idea what it is. And so I click on it and no caption. And I was like, hosts, for the love of everything, add captions to your photos because your guests don't know what they're looking at and they want to know. They really, really want to know what they're looking at. And so uh, this is an easy thing to do. It's within your control and not everything on Airbnb is within your control. When the city hot water goes out or whatever, the electricity goes out, that's not within your control. But those things that are within your control, you might as well control that maximally. And the online listing is. And I'd say that's maybe my biggest specialty. Okay, I think so I this a is dog. actually super. Got a, you got a dog over there?
0: No? Uh, Well, there is a dog. I didn't hear the dog. Um, (laughs) I'll be more mindful of it. I
1: I hear (laughs) the the feet. I hear the feet.
0: Okay. Um, All right, man. I'll pay more attention. Um, This is actually great stuff, though. So let's dive deeper into it, my man. Um, So first off, you said FPG, future potential guest. That's a very clear avatar. You're thinking of the person looking at the website, which you'll be amazed Most people don't do that. (laughs) Most people are like, I have this amazing thing. This is why it's amazing. You're thinking about the future potential guests and what they're thinking. So let's dive into that. What are they thinking? You are one of the most common guests in the world, as you mentioned. (laughs) So what are guests looking at when they're looking at a listing?
1: Yeah, a guest is looking at – so on Airbnb, there's a few – ways and a guest could look at, find your list, find you. It could be a direct booking website. It could be Instagram. It could be booking.com, BRB. But let's focus on Airbnb, which is the the winner in the US market. So the guest, Airbnb, there's a fight because Airbnb wants there not to be a clear winner. They want a lot of really good listings. So the layout is all the same. You don't really have much options around the layout. Um, but it's, it's really, int- humans are so, uh, um, innovative that you just give them something, um, that, and there, you just, okay, go with it, do what you want. And there's, and then there's, there's all these different things. People started adding emojis into the title. That was actually maybe me back in 2013 that started that trend. Uh, there was, uh, different things they're doing to photos. There's different things they're doing to text, uh, all these different things that air media the company. Once you introduce something, they're like, Oh wow. I never knew that was, that was happening. Actually there was a, uh, one of those things. Um, the best example I could come up with this is like in the Olympics, there's those bars where they, where they hang on those bars that go around. There's two bars that go up and down. What's that, what's that thing called? Oh dude. I don't <laughs> what sport? <But> you know. What's <laughs> but, but, but you know what I'm talking about? You have the image. It's, it's yeah, gymnastics.
0: I'm thinking of, yeah, I was thinking yeah. about gymnastic bars of some type. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, not my sport. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't know. I watched, it's not my sport either, but I watched this video and this,
1: this girl from, I think it was like the 70s, did this crazy, crazy, crazy maneuver. It's actually banned. and no, Oh, I was
0: looking at that like yesterday on Reddit, I think. Really? Um, literally she's doing flips between the two bars right and they're like oh this double flip it's not even allowed and it's like this 13 year old girl that just crushes it um yeah i know exactly what you're talking about that's weird um so keep going
1: so so it's like you introduce this product whatever this 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 sport and you let humans play with it and no one could predict when they did these two bars that someone can do that and i still look at them like what the heck that's crazy so uh anyways um so airbnb introduced this platform introduced this this format and hosts are doing all these crazy things um and so the guest it's not necessarily so the guest what the guest is looking for ultimately is okay here's my budget here's what i'm paying you my budget might be 50 to 100 dollars a night uh, th- there's a few listings one for 50 one for 75 one for 100 i paying you this amount what am i getting in return that's the ultimate question what am i getting in return Without having to look through 95 photos, without having to read a small book of 6,000 words, okay? Without having to repeat the same stuff, okay? I already probably filtered for a two-bedroom. Now you're telling me that in the title, the most important text real estate, is a two-bedroom. I've already looked through the photos. I've already decided if it's spacious or if it's luxury. But now you're telling me that it's two-bedroom luxury in, in, in downtown. Which is, I already filtered the map, so I already know it's in downtown. So you're not, you're not telling me what I want to know. What am I getting in exchange? Because I already know this stuff. You're repeating yourself. You're wasting my time. I have uh, vacation rental commandments on my website, and I created these to, to have, for hosts to keep in mind when they're doing everything, so that they can they can have concepts to apply to different things: messages, photos, text, title, all these different things. And one of them is not wasting the guests' attention. And a lot of hosts do that. They add too many photos, text, they, they don't optimize the text. And they're so. I keep mentioning photos and text because that's so important. Text even more so important than photos, which a lot of uh, experts don't recognize yet. And it's more important because if a guest is reading your text, they're just a sliver away from making that reservation. You just haven't given them enough. And they're just reading a little bit more to, To they probably have two or three that are reading. That's at the very end of the reservation process and they're reading the last two or three. They're just trying to help you to convince them. And most hosts fail at
0: this as well. Okay. So so where are they failing at that part? So obviously if they're reading something, if they've gotten to this last section, they already know it's a two-bedroom, they already kind of have an idea what the layout is, where are they losing them? Because I feel like you could go one of two directions. You could give them way too much information, which you're going to lose their attention, and they're just going to be like, all right, I'll, lo- I'll see what else there is. Or you could give them not enough information. So how do you kind of balance that? That's a genius way to put it. It's
1: simple, but it's so genius. Yeah, Uh, this is really fresh in my mind because I am just looking at AirBnBs last night and that's exactly right. There's too much or too little. Sometimes there's one paragraph and it's like, oh, I was really hoping to read this. Sometimes there's a bunch of paragraphs and it's like, I'm not reading that. I'm skimming the first few lines and that's it. So I'm missing a bunch of probably highly valuable stuff. When when hosts provide too much and I optimize your listing, if you were a host and you had a listing, you had a typical listing, which was way too much text, you paid me, what I would do is I would read that text, I would delete 80 or 90% of it, I would pull out the important things, probably in the middle towards the bottom, and I would assemble them on the page depending on how important they are to your FPG. If... You're, if you or your, your listeners or anyone wants to a good example of what to do, you can type in the Belmonte Penthouse on Google, and that's my listing in the Columbia, the one I purchased a few a couple of years ago. And so you can have a look at the things that I'm doing and how my listing is is um, I hope clearly different in all ways from the competition in that market.
0: When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go, and most importantly, how you want to get there. Where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people Every single week, we have accumulated hundreds of seven figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Let's talk about this FPG a little bit more. Um, And while we're doing that, I'm going to pull up your listing. Um, (laughs) What was that again, by the way? The Belmonte Penthouse. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the FPG, because I think this is super important. When you're working with somebody, does everybody have a different FPG where you're really thinking about who you want to rent your listing? Or is this more general future potential guests? It's definitely
1: on the general side when we're talking about Airbnb because Airbnb doesn't have great filters. So anyone who's coming on Airbnb, they're all kind of seeing the same stuff. They filter by bedrooms and bathrooms and price. But as soon as, you know, they don't have built balcony. Like I'm going to Medellin, there's great views. I want a balcony. I can't filter balcony. That's crazy. So it all becomes kind of general. So, but there are the, 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 there are different classifications. You know, are you hosting longer term stays? Longer term stays want different things. Are you hosting bachelor parties or couples or families? You know, if you have, if you have a, if you have, let's say like, I'll just give an example, but let's say you're in a, in a big city and both bachelors go there and families go there. And let's say you have um, like parking, Uh, and a rooftop jacuzzi. Well, that's probably valuable to both of them, right? But the bachelor party probably values more so the rooftop jacuzzi. So you you would want to put that in your title. But the family maybe values, even though the rooftop jacuzzi is cooler, they might value, they might not value your coolest, in quotes, amenity. They might value actually the parking because they know that, you know, parking in a different garage and then they have to cross the street and it's dangerous. They got to round up three or four kids and whatnot. So, so those two FPG profiles, one might value a different thing. And so you want to highlight that a little bit more in terms of your text and photos.
0: Absolutely. So it'll depend on the unit itself, how you want to approach your FPG. But it sounds like based on what you just said, it, it is a good idea to have at least an idea who the different types of people that are renting your unit would be. So let's talk a little bit more about the Belmonte penthouse. I'm super pumped to get into this. First off, props on your first picture. Obviously you're a picture guy. These are all professional pictures. It looks like they've been professionally edited, but your first one looks like an Instagram thing. I don't think I've seen anything like that on Airbnb. Um, what else would you like to highlight there? Well,
1: that I am uh, I'm testing out. So not necessarily, if you go to the my, my listing, don't think that everything is perfect and you should just copy it because I'm testing out a lot of things. The thing I'm recently testing out is that cover photo, which is Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, it's a nice photo in the background, but it also has shading from the right is the most shading to the left. And then I have bullet points and the four bullet points are my most important bullet points for my FPG. My FPG is in fact, it's kind of a party house. It's, it's got groups of guys typically in their forties coming to enjoy nightlife and dining in a centrally located area.
0: Okay. Um, Well, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, (laughs) So um, let's talk numbers here a little bit if you're open to it. So we mentioned potentially investing in foreign markets and it immediately caught my eye that we're in Medellin, right? So this is Colombia and it's $523 a night. Um, That sounds like you could be getting a hell of a return. So I'm just curious if you're open. Um, Not even not necessarily this unit, but what is somebody looking into purchasing something in Medellin and then what kind of returns could they get? And then I'll wait for the second question, Mike. There's a lot of I think foreign real estate gives a lot of people
1: hesitation and that's well founded. You should have hesitation. There are a lot of risks, currency risk being the biggest one. But you're not going to get better returns than foreign. I'm looking in the USA right now for my next investment. I don't know if I'll invest there, but that's the goal. And uh, I'm actually sh- sharing um, that research with, I started up a, a course, I'm calling it a program online. I'm, I'm sharing that research with my program participants. And I'm analyzing all, every every place. There's, I haven't ruled out anything yet. But it it's, it's clear from the early data that the returns aren't going to be, there's a few problems. The returns aren't going to, simply the returns aren't going to be as high as what I'm getting, and also service workers are also more difficult. So in Colombia, um, now now the, the the downside is there's no mortgage market in Colombia. You have to pay cash, or you could get a loan, maybe a personal loan in the U.S., but you have to pay cash in Colombia. So that is the downside. The houses are also a lot cheaper. Uh, paying cash for a whole house there is probably somewhat equal to a down payment. Uh, you might pay in the US for a multi-million dollar house. So in Colombia, you, um, you you get so you have to go to a place that's that is rather fluent in English. You have to have some flu, English fluent folks there. I'm in, uh, as you mentioned, I'm in Cambodia right now, and the English is very low. Luckily, the billing staff, some of them speak English. But that could be a generally unpleasant experience for folks, especially if they're going to a place where they they just don't know the language and they don't have any interest in learning the language. So that's a key specifically for Colombia, specifically for Medellin. There is a a good amount of people. I have a concierge that my guests get that speak English. And a a big difference is um, my cleaner. I pay my cleaner. She goes there every day. She cooks breakfast. She pays my bills. She does some maintenance. If I wanted to do that in the USA, I would probably have to hire this person on full-time. I'd probably have to give them benefits and this and that. I'd probably have to pay way more. So just to give you uh, some numbers here, i pay her, uh, I think it's like $35 a day. It's 120,000 Colombian pesos a day, which is good. The minimum wage there, which minimum wage is different than the USA. Minimum wage, like most people earn the minimum wage. It's uh, $1 million. She earns somewhere between four and 5 million pesos a month. A professional there earns something like five, six. So I'm getting a a property manager, basically a property manager, someone who not only property manages, but does a lot more for me for that amount of money. That's a huge benefit for me. Huge benefit, whether I'm doing it in the USA or or foreign. If someone, you have, I'm not going to live there. I have to have someone on site. And I'm not interested in a property manager because property managers, they, and that property managers are fine, but they'll just give you, if your house was going to do good anyways, it'll do good with a property manager. And you're paying 20%. But if you really want outsized returns, so I gave you some some more numbers. So my the house that I bought in Medellin, it was managed by a property manager before I got there. And that property manager was able to earn one-fourth of what I'm earning. And that was due to a whole slew of, of errors and just just yeah basic errors. But uh, that's quite incredible nonetheless. Twenty He was earning 25% of what I'm earning, same house, same location, one-year apartment.
0: Yeah, that's a drastic difference, obviously. So they were charging – well, actually, context here. I might not be following you correctly. Was there a property manager in place that was taking 25% of the profits? I'm talking about gross. I'm talking about gross. So he even made less.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So continue. Obviously, you could save a ton of money by having – a local person that is managing the property but it's not charging absorbent fees like other property managers would well you don't really need a property manager so you want you want a house that's pretty
1: much self-running you don't want you don't want issues all the time that's a key the guest doesn't want issues you don't want issues so you need to spend more to get a house that's ready to go and then your cleaner is already there so what do you actually need a property manager for to answer messages well you could do that automated to change your prices, uh, I suggest you change your own prices. It takes 30 seconds a week per listing. Uh, schedule maintenance, why can't the cleaner do that? Change consumables, why can't the cleaner do that? There's nothing a cleaner couldn't do that a property manager could do. There are some states that require property managers. That's another um, downside of the USA. There's lot, lots of, as, as you know, as everyone knows, lots of laws. That's, that's our solution to everything. No kidding. And then also there's a lot of laws that change. So there's short-term rental markets and then the laws change. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. That's not really a thing in a third world country. Um, You know, they they got other things to deal with. They are, there are laws and whatnot, but they're not like changing every single year.
0: Okay. And then what would a good occupancy rate be for a building like this? Obviously it's 523 a night. Um, do you do a mixture of short and midterm rentals or give me an idea what that strategy looks like? Going into it, my strategy was to attract
1: weekly and long-term bookings on Airbnb. Uh, midterm is weekly and long-term is 28 days or more. There's a different market called midterm, which is m- multi-months, but we're in the short-term rental space here. So we'll just, just to clarify that. Uh, and it's becoming, MTRs are becoming more popular. So I want to clarify that up front. And so I offered a discount, a weekly and a monthly discount, bigger than my competition. And I did. I got a, I th- actually, it's a really bizarre story. So I really wanted um, monthly discounts, monthly reservations. And I also, there was, there was an issue with me getting my visa and not getting registered also. So I, in January um, 2022, I couldn't host because I didn't get my papers to apply for a license. And there was a new law. There was, And this time there was a new law going into place, which was unfortunate because it was. I just bought it. And then the next year the law changed. And so I was like, oh, shoot, I'm not going to get this uh, and I'm not going to be able to rent it. And that's like a good amount of money. And so it's December. I think it was December or November. And so I really wanted a a monthly reservation. I've I've tried, I'm manifesting it without, without manifesting. I'm just thinking about all the time. And, um, it's one night in November and I, and I have a, I wake up suddenly in the middle of night and I had a dream, the strangest dream, but it's like, you know, when you go and you work someplace, typically in office, a lot, you look at spreadsheets, you start dreaming about spreadsheets and that's when you like scary stuff. So I dream about accounting sometimes, not, not when Airbnb, but before that. So
0: I woke was that up a dream or I... a nightmare? I'm just <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding. laughs> yeah. I, that just yeah. reminds me, like I used to do BPOs all the time. It's just looking at comps all day. I used to dream about how many bedrooms and bathrooms things had. It drove me crazy. Um, right. <laughs> so keep going. I'm sorry. Right. So, uh,
1: <laughs> so I wake up and I and I and I remember my dream this time, and it was about me getting a reservation for a month. That was the dream. And I was ecstatic because I was like, "Oh, I can, I have, I have give myself a monthly leeway." This was a big investment for me, you know. Yeah, this is this is a big deal, um, and I'm also proving my worth. Like, okay, I've been calling myself sometimes the best in the world at Airbnb. Now I got to prove it. And uh, so I go look at Airbnb app, and no, no reservation. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, I, I, so I go back to I go back to sleep. I wake up again, middle of the night, same dream. I look at Airbnb. And, and, you know, I turn on, I, I sleep with airplane mode. I turn off airplane mode and uh, wait a few seconds because sometimes it's, and no airbag pop, pops up. I'm like Okay, no worries. That makes sense, but like strange. So I go back to sleep right away, sleep like a baby. And then I wake up a third time, same dream. And I look at my phone and I didn't turn on airplane mode this time. And guess what's on my phone? I don't get notifications, which is a life hack. I don't get notifications. I don't get sound, no vibrating, nothing. I I look at my phone when I want to look at my phone, which is still too often. But this time I see a red Airbnb notification and I'm like, that's already weird. I open it up. It's a 32 night reservation. I kid you not. The only monthly long reservation I've ever had came at this time. And, um, so I accepted it and it was great. but I realized I made about, depending on the months, I made 25 to hundred uh, percent yeah, 25 to 100 percent less. So uh, I stopped doing that because I realized the occupancy of the, the prior property manager, his occupancy was like hovering around like 40 percent. Uh, so that was that was built into my estimates. but I realized like okay, whether they were doing it so wrong, or I am so much better than them I'm getting an occupancy nearly 100%. There's months where I'm at 100%. For the last 12 months I was at 93 and percent So I decided to to the, the month long guest was a was a dream by the way. But I cut that the the I did get a week long reservation, they were a nightmare. They threw a party, they had dogs, they had guests. Um so it was just my my theory was my my yeah hypothesis was weekly long reservations with less parties. That was true for the month, but not for the week. The week was just a week long party, and it turns out that their guests are most respectful, anyways. There's a couple things that break. That's another thing. You know, if something breaks in my home, I can get it repaired for very cheap and and pretty quickly. And there's people who are just ready to work. Um, whereas in the USA, if something changes, you know, maybe I have to replace something, maybe there's some code that I broke. I have to wait a few days. I have to pay double the price, something like this, to get someone, you know, within the next 24 hours. So I went off on a, a few various tangents there, um, but I, did I ra- did I wrap up that subject?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, um, you did. So I mean, we're, we were mostly talking short term versus midterm versus yeah, that's what we were talking about there. Uh, but we were still diving a little bit deeper into foreign markets and what are some benefits there. So obviously pros and cons. Um, if you have U.S. labor, you have to pay U.S. prices, which also involves U.S. cities um and and all that fun stuff. I live in Chicago, man. We have very very high taxes. I imagine Columbia's taxes are much much lower. Am I am I close there? Yeah,
1: Colombian taxes are much lower. In fact, they're just happy as far as I understand it, my accountant tells me they're just kind of happy if you pay taxes, especially as a foreigner. I I I will be this this will be I'll be, be I will I pay taxes. Uh so um, I'll be paying, I think, like $3,000 in tax. And I get to take that as a credit to my U.S. tax. So it's not even like I'm paying extra tax. Uh, but the tax, yeah, I'm here in Cambodia right now. And you, you have to dive deeper. You know, you know, There's a few layers to society, a few layers to taxes. So you have to dive deeper. But I've heard on two occasions, I've, I've, I go and I look at places um, for investment. And this is actually somewhat of an attractive market. um, If it, if, if the English wasn't so, so minimal and it wasn't so hot and extraordinarily human all year round. But um, two people have told me that who, who, who would know one was a real estate agent, like taxes here, they don't really work. You you just don't really pay taxes. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but she basically told me like, you can opt to pay taxes or not. And I'm like, so, who would opt to pay taxes? So,
0: right. Um, this is an option. Okay. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have to pay taxes. No. No, thanks. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's interesting. Uh, that would be a benefit.
1: That would definitely be a benefit. And that's something in my research in the USA markets that's a consideration. Who has, uh, which states have um, corporate or personal income tax?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I'm super curious because you travel the world all the time. You live in Airbnbs. It sounds like if I remember correctly, you're going to Medellin. You have this building there already, but you're going to rent an Airbnb anyways. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) so obviously, that's so you could keep cash flowing. Um, (laughs) That makes sense to me um, (laughs) because I imagine you're profiting every day that you're there. Um, But I'm just curious. So do you tend to go to these places to scout and look for more buildings or are you just traveling? I would love to get a little bit more idea of like what your goals are when you're traveling from Cambodia to Colombia and so on and so forth. I travel. I mean, it's it's a combination of both. I tra
1: I w- I say I would t- I started off traveling for personal reasons, and I'm definitely going to places because I want to on a personal basis. There are some conferences and whatnot that I'll go for that reason. I was just in Scotland to meet with somebody who wanted to do business with me, so I went there for that specific reason. But when I'm at these places, the nice thing about what I do is there's real estate everywhere. There's property managers everywhere, so I will meet with property managers. I'll meet with real estate agents. I'll look at a few. A few houses, a few apartments, and see what their, you know, what the rate is. What's the square footage? How does that compare with um, Brazil, which is another market I'm looking at? Colombia, the USA. What's the local labor like? Which is uh, not really considered so much. And I hear again, this is a problem with the U.S. Is the local labor market in some markets is horrendous. They just don't want to work. They just they just don't want to. They yeah they seem fine when you meet them, but they just sometimes don't show up to cleaning jobs and whatnot. Um, So that's a consideration wherever you're at. But uh, I I hear it's a problem in the U.S. And so I also look at that. Like here, for example, you get the cleaners are located in the building, and I can get two cleans a week, twice a week. Uh, I mean, you could see my place. It's got some couple dirty clothes back there, but. it's super cool. It's a uh, it's a it's a one bedroom, but it's it's very well designed. The bedroom is probably the least designed place. It's got like a trap door, which is kind of cool. Uh, there, it's got a rooftop uh, pool and a rooftop like bar. It's like a private bar. It's got lights and music and bartender, but it's only for residents. Got a cafe, got a covered pool, got a gym, full gym, and there's a laundry. And so I could get uh, if you were to buy a unit here, you know, the guests would just come in and get checked in by the front desk, who they work there till like eight p.m., which is great even on Sundays and two twice a week for $60 a month cleanings. So these are, these are all things that are to be considered um, for not only like saving on money, but also the the hassle, the headache. Okay. There's cleaners on site. There's maintenance on site. There's check-in folks on site. The the guest has problems. They have, they have someone here Um, in the place in Columbia. I have 24 seven security that's for various reasons, not the least of which is for, I, uh, guess convenience as well.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, That makes a lot of sense. So, going into costs and things of that nature, um at least in the u s now, I, I see the biggest complaint is everybody started getting Airbnb because it was cheaper than hotels or or perhaps more convenient. And nowadays, what you see is, is hotels are often a bit more competitive. And if they're not, they're not going to screw you as hard on the cleaning fees. Cause I don't know. <laughs> the cleaning fees locally here could be really brutal now. It's like, okay, it's a hundred dollars a night and it's $75 a day for cleaning. And it's like, okay, I'll go to a hotel. Um, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Um, just curious what your <laughs> thoughts were there. Um, uh, from somebody that does Airbnb, um, I would love to, so any context you could provide because it's interesting. Well, they
1: for many years, it was common practice where you would earn money from the cleaning fee, hosts would. I never recommended this. I never did this. You can go back years on my YouTube channel. I publicly say, what should you charge your cleaning fee? It's obvious. You should charge your cleaning fee what your cleaner charges you, and that's it, and uh, whatever is in line with the market. And so I've even taken this to a, to the next level and, and used it as my advantage because it's uh, the, the media. The media, you have to use the media as much as the media uses you. So this cleaning thing, I get it. There are some houses who take advantage of it. and But there's a lot of houses who don't. It's just normal cleaning. But the ones the media highlights are the ones that are ridiculous. And so everyone thinks Airbnb's cleaning fees are ridiculous like this. So I advertise no cleaning fee. And because I'm in Colombia, I guess the prices are cheaper. I say daily cleaning. Who does that? Wait, you're not charging me cleaning fee, and I get daily cleaning? No. Yeah. It's not a dream. It's real. And you get daily breakfast too. So you see how I'm making their decision easy for them. Like, okay, you've answered everything and more. You give me things that no one else is giving me that I didn't even know that it was possible. So that's what hosts used to do. They used to charge extra, which is, which is not intelligent. Um, and that's probably the reason why, but you have to realize also who you're renting to. If you're renting to a, um, a uh, someone who's staying for a night or two, well, that 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 cost is significant now. On a hundred dollar a night room, a hundred dollar cleaning fee is significant. Adds adds in the cost. If they're staying for a week or a month, it's not it's not significant at all. And so you have to you have to deal with your uh, cleaner and say, hey, look, um, if someone stays one night. Uh, well, I'm going to pay you a different rate, maybe, or just a different rate in general, because look, sometimes, honestly, you're going to go in and it's going to be super easy to clean. Sometimes it's going to be more difficult, but most of the time it's going to be easier. And so you could get that cleaning rate right down to 60 bucks or something, you know, uh, because the cleaner's cleaning 20 days a month, 25 days a month.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I would be in agreement with you there. Charge what you're, what you're paying to clean. Um, you're making money renting out the room, not by hiring a cleaning person. You're not trying to broker every piece of the deal.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know that. And it may, it, maybe this is the thing because uh, that particular host or some host did take my advice, which is get an expensive cleaner. There's a lot of advice out there. Hey, go and get the get, get the cheapest cleaner You can't cut your costs. No, no, no. That's a bad idea. You want to get an expensive quality cleaner because they're going to be more timely better reviews. They're going to do a better job cleaning. They're going to also do more things than you than just clean. Eventually, if it's a good cleaner, they'll start doing more things for you than just clean. And so if I were to charge, so for me, it's like, I'm not charging a cleaning fee because the cleaning is kind of worked in with the whole price anyways. So um, I might be charging, I might be, I'm, my cleaner might be $125 a night or the market rate is 75 but that cleaner saves me so much additional time not the least of which well also they save me on the commission from the property managers so yeah i'm paying an extra uh 25 50 bucks a night but they're saving me a lot of time and money from a from a property manager um so but but maybe i don't charge put in my listing 125 maybe i put in my listing 75 and i eat that 50 bucks especially nowadays where guests are actually specifically looking for the cleaning fee because there are some examples that some influencers have made famous of ridiculous <laughs> cleaning and taxes. Don't forget taxes. There's, there's the state occupancy tax, the local miscellaneous tax, the state, the municipal tax, the government, all these different taxes, ridiculous tax upon a tax. You're paying tax on tax dollars.
0: Yep. No shortage of taxes. That's for sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> That is absolutely for sure. I appreciate you you shining that light on me. I love to ask this to Airbnb folks just because I love the context. Um, because I like to see both sides of the thing, not whatever anybody's pitching on any side, because that's usually wrong. Um that's yeah. <laughs> <so, Yeah>. um, <laughs> so cool, man. Well, dude, it's already been an hour. Time flies when you're having fun. Whoa. Um <laughs>
1: I didn't even I didn't even put up my books yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so let's say um, obviously, let's let's talk about the book. So thank you for sharing that. Anybody checking this out? Obviously, you have a ton of Airbnb experience. You used to work there, started your own business. You are traveling the world. Um, where could they find the books? Where can they reach out to you for anything that you're offering? Give us some insight there.
1: Yeah, so I find that I'm getting a lot of questions like, okay, these two books are pretty similar. You wrote them. What, what's the difference? So I'll just go over that. The Optimize Your BNB That was written in 2018. That was the one that sold 50,000 copies, word of mouth alone. Didn't know what I was doing, just wrote the best book I could. People really liked this book. This is for Airbnb specific. If you're gonna focus on Airbnb, you wanna learn about all the hacks specific to Airbnb. This is 100% dedicated to Airbnb. Profitable properties came in this year, 2023, and it's more general. It's more general, but while being specific. So we're talking about how to identify profitable markets. Uh, I talk about micro-neighborhoods, which is a concept I think unique to me, how to analyze deals, Uh, and then um, also how to run the listing, automation, all this good stuff. That is Profitable Properties. And I started up a program with this book in conjunction with this pro book. It's uh, live with me on Mondays. There's about 60 program participants, and we talk about a whole slew of subjects. If you join, you get access to all the prior courses and some bonus things like a private uh, forum where I'm active on, and I'd like to offer your audience Freedom Chasers a fifty percent discount to that program. Outside of that, you can find me at Optimize My BNB, YouTube, Instagram, my website.
0: All right, there you have it. Optimize BNB, YouTube, Instagram, and his website. Is there going to be a code for the 50% off or should we just have him reach out to you?
1: Yeah, Freedom Chasers.
0: There you go. He's offering you 50% off. It's worth checking out. Um, Daniel Rustine, man, this has been a lot of fun. Time flew. I didn't even realize it went by so quickly. So thank you so much for sharing your insights into Airbnb and how to optimize those listings. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and commit to taking massive action. You got a lot of specific stuff. If you have Airbnbs, get the pictures right at a minimum. Don't put too much or too little in your summaries and you'll get out there. Um, So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show.